Well, welcome everybody. We got another episode of Sour and Sass, and I am very excited to be joined by the one and only Dave Cardiel. Welcome to the show, Dave. Great to be here, Garrett. I realized I didn't ask. How did I get close? Cardiel, was I right? Just like you're making a cardio, man. <laughs> if you want to get, you want to have some fun with it, though. Roll the R, man. That's actually the the correct pronunciation. So if you cut I, out, I uh, wish. So my wife's Costa Rican and yeah. like fluent in Spanish, and she'll start doing that, and I try to keep up. I'm like, Cardi, I I have to get myself in the mode. You know what I mean? Like I have to be in that. Like yeah. I have to switch my brain. I can't just do it. I can't just yeah. turn it on and off. My wife, my wife's the same way, man. She'll come home with it, and and I'll be honest, I I, I don't like I probably should, but she, she she breaks out the rolling the R's and everything, and it's uh, <laughs> you know, she's awesome. She's awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, we were we were talking offline a little bit uh, about yeah. content, and you might do a little bit of that, parsley. Do you do you get to do any content? No, <laughs> just a little bit. You know, we put a few words on the page here and there. So, <laughs> I love it. Well. You guys got a great platform. Uh, it looks like it's obviously targeting like high volume content producers, a lot of media companies, a lot of things where segmentation across audiences matters. But it's a pointed question, but I'd love to get your take on it. And this is usually like how I like to start is, is blogging still an effective way to drive revenue for SaaS? Blogging, not content marketing, but blogging. Like, it, Is that still an effective way to drive revenue for SaaS in your mind? Short answer, yes. Um, the the long-winded answer behind that, though, is uh, are you doing it right? Um, you know, and yeah. still with purpose. You got to have purpose, and it's got to be, it's got to be, uh, oh, babysat at all times. Somebody's got to own it, right? Um, yeah. The haphazard way of doing it, maybe before, or maybe as a, a side project or as a group project. Um, can have some effects, but, you know, if you're actually making an integral part of your, you know, overall, you know, demand gen or revenue marketing strategy for an organization, you, you got to be on top of it. And that's where the analytics come into play. And when I mean babysitting it, it's, are your tags set up appropriately? Or, uh, you know, are you using key bug words? Are you learning from your analytics, right? Are you learning from what the uh, uh, the audience is telling you? Um, I just gave a talk with with that week last week about just that that topic. Are you actually listening to what your customers are saying uh, and following that? So uh, a little self-serving, but it's, that does what it is what Parsley does. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's a strategy that we employ because we use our blog as an, an integral piece of, to our lead generation. So, No, I love that answer, David. I think the reason I ask it is, you know, we have enough exposure at Directive to see a couple things. Like one of the things I'm noticing like straight up, I'm advertising a lot right now. And we offer both SEO and paid media. And a lot more people are wanting paid media than SEO. And in my own business, I'm putting, I used to put a ton of money into SEO. And I'm starting to put a ton of money into paid media because I was struggling. My struggle with SEO, as an SEO, by the way, like my professional skill as a marketer is probably SEO if I had to like choose one as like a hard skill. That's what I came up on. I'm finding it more and more difficult to connect my whole strategy as it grows. In other words, like the more content I create on my blog, the further away I move from purchase intent. I go upstream. I get to top of funnel. I start answering informational intent. I start launching a glossary. I start driving more traffic. But when I go into my HubSpot, when I go into my client's Marketo, when I go into my marketing ops environment, I'm very much struggling to connect my top of funnel traffic with product-led growth. And it gets even harder 
in a non-trial, high AOV, multiple seats required, multiple buying centers required, SaaS org. Mm-hmm. So for the audience out there, if you're in a high AOV SaaS audience and you want to do content marketing, you want to lower your LTV CAC, like you want to lower your CAC, you want to improve your LTV CAC, you want to create balance in your media plan. Like, how do we do that with content? Because, you know, I have some ideas, but I think it's a struggle. I think it's a genuine struggle right now in the SaaS community is how do we scale content marketing while driving revenue if we don't have like, you know, a trial like Drift? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think trial trials is a whole different episode. I'm happy to come on. I'm going to talk about trials and what you know yeah. and what they mean and really what their impact can can and can't be yeah. at times. Um, man, that, that's that that's a loaded one because you know we're we're just at this. Th- th- there's two schools of thoughts: which is the way it was and the way it is now. Right, the last year, you know, we're in an all digital climate. Right, it's yeah. and everybody is writing uh, digitally. Everybody's trying to surface their content to the top of the boards, trying different uh, uh, ways of communication, communicating that content channels, um, you know, and what you're, you're competing with others. You are, uh, you're also, uh, people just consume, people just as human nature consume content in so many different ways. And it's like, you know, are you moving to, to, to where they are? So, um, you started out before just the investment SEO paid. Um, I, you want my opinion? You're doing the right thing. You're 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 yeah. you're investing in the right places. But it kind of goes back to my original point: is you know, are you are you using you know the tools at your disposal to to actually you know weigh that impact? Right? Are you doubling down on what's working? Um, are you eliminating what's not, you know? So, cause with the paid stuff, I've, I've, I've been there, man. We've thrown a lot of money at paid at different organizations. Uh, one in particular I worked at recently where, I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Just yeah. we were burning hundred dollar bills, man. We we're just burning them, yeah. like taking them out the parking lot and burning them. Cause we just, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't equipping ourselves with the opportunity to just, you know, analyze what's working there and just kind of shifting, you know, on the fly, uh, you know, to see what works. So, um, yeah, I would just say there, to, you know, to kind of summarize is just, you know, you got to continue to diversify, listen to what people are saying, double down on what works, man. Um, I'm oversimplifying it right there, but that's that's our. No, that's I, our, I think you have, a, you have an important part. Like you got to listen, and so based on you have that data, right? You have more data, I'd say, than a lot of markers in the world when it comes to actually yeah. na- analyzing what's working or not. So across your clients in your database at Parsley with your first party data. From your clients, what are you seeing as driving the most ROI from content marketing? Like, what what are the smartest marketers doing with their content strategy that's really working right now? Yeah, um, well, you still have to. You know, I, I'm still a believer in you know from a campaign standpoint and in, in establishing a theme of what works, right? Using the data to establish a theme for a, a content. You know, because a campaign by nature is uh, should be time bound. You know, one yeah. one tactic or one channel you shoot out does not a campaign make, right? I guess you could have an email campaign or something like that, but just thematically some a campaign, you know, you last a month, six weeks, three months, what have you. Um, you know, what I'm saying what works is, is kind of hinging, hinging uh, that theme on a, what I like to call like a, a primer or a, you know, a long form idea, right? And this can take the yep. shape of a long form, you know, dribble or piece of content around a theme, uh, Packed with data, insight, 
ideas, anything that rolls up to that theme. And then you take a diversified approach to that. So that's our, our general philosophy. That's how we're, we're doing it here at Parsley. Um, but to answer your question, getting down to a, a, you know, a tactic that actually works, a lot like what you and I are doing right now is, is humanizing, I like to call humanizing the content uh, in the form of a, you know, a video content. For us, it's webinars. Everyone's doing webinars and that's a whole, it could be a whole, you know, show in itself. But to be honest, that's where we're seeing the conversion. That's the, the tactic in, in our, uh, in our revenue marketing process that's converting at the highest outside of people clicking demo buttons and raising their hands yeah. and things like that. Just tactically content wise, that's working for us. Um, and that's feedback we get not only from our, our data, um, yeah. from what our, our stack is saying, but we use a, a, a BDR model in that and just following what's converting to opportunity. That's the tactic that works. I love it. Now I'm going to follow up on that, but first we have some sour candy. Are you ready? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Oh, all right. Warhead be my friend today. All right. Yeah. I went with the trolley here, the sour, uh, bright crawler. So I like where your heads are. I want those. I'm going to talk to my guys because it's not fair that the guests get the good candy and they're just killing me over here. Yeah. Yeah, that one has definitely an after that has an after effect here. Oh yeah. So go. I know why webinars can work as a tactic, but I think I'd love to hear from you psychologically. Like this show, for example, mm -hmm. I try to interview guests that could be my customer that can help me promote the show so I get an audience. And I like to add a spin to all my content, like sour. So that it's shockingly memorable. And that's kind of it. Why does a webinar work in your mind? It's a, that's a great, uh, another great question. I'll, I'll go to what I said before. I think it humanizes your content, right? It gives an, an opportunity to, ex, to talk about your content, right? People can log on and engage. They can listen to it later uh, through the recording, but they get to hear not only from, uh, you know, you know, from us at Parsley, but, you know, the you know, getting down into the weeds a little bit, you know, we try to have, you know, a guest on just like you're doing right now. We try to have a guest on that is an expert in that theme that I was talking about earlier. Uh, talk about it and, you know, open it up to Q&A. We use our, our social platforms. We do engagement. We do highlights on the speakers that are talking. So we use our channels to really sort of promote it uh, across the board, not just like here's a topic, come register. We try to go at it through different angles uh, across social, uh, across our email database, across paid, uh, a couple of other uh, directions to drive uh, uh, to drive engagement there. And then, uh, you know, and then we're getting into the weeds in terms of like the follow up there. But we do try to engage people on webinars. We do pull, fun poll questions, little stick like, you know, the sour candy thing. Right. You know, so we try to engage the audience, keep them you know, entertained throughout, keep them engaged. So they're not just there with the webinar turned on, not really not really listening. Yeah. And then uh, offer up Q and A's, chats, contents, giveaways, things like that within the webinar. You know, keeping them going. We do that so that the BDRs have something to talk about after the fact, because you can turn that over there. We give that level of insight and data over to them, so they can do that proper follow up. Um, and so that the person that they they engage with, yeah, I answer that poll question as such. Yeah, I received that handout during the webinar. Yeah, I really liked when so-and-so touched on this. So we start opening up the engagement and it goes back to what I say, the human, you know, humanizing the thing a little bit, not just did you download an ebook or a playbook or something like that. So 
Yeah, see, I had a hard time humanizing them when I've been on them historically on webinars because it, there's no cameras, nobody had their faces. Are you showing faces to create that human element? Because that was one of the gaps I saw with a lot of people's webinar strategies. It seemed inhumane. It seemed like the video version of a white paper. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and how are you tackling that part? Well, I mean, that's we we turn the cam we turn cameras on. That's one of the first questions we, we talk about with our speakers is that we, oh, yeah. we turn the cameras on. We make sure our platform's capable of handling that because, uh, yeah, I mean, you want to see who you're talking to. And, and you're right. I, I, I've done webinars in the past where it's very robotic, very scripted. You don't see the people. And it's like you're almost reading from a script uh, throughout. Or you could be reading from a script. No one would really know. Um, yeah. And you're, you're so focused in on it being so perfect um, oh, yeah. to the point that it's it's not human. See, now – and. I don't want to say it was a gift last year, but one of the things bringing us home is you, you throw in other things in there, right? Dog barking, Amazon delivery guy, you know, ringing the doorbell, right? Um, you know, somebody's having, you know, somebody's vacuuming upstairs, kids running in and out of the, the office while people are trying to work, right? Um, we had a webinar <laughs> last year where, yeah, my dark, dog just started barking uncontrollably. And we, uh, we tend to live tweet during the events like that and, you know, ended up posting my dog's picture and that had a little trend going on during the, the event. Everybody was talking about their dogs for a little while. Made it fun, you know? Yep. So No, hundred percent. It is cool to see how like B2B has become more B2C through COVID because we're starting to see the humanity of our target account. Yeah. Now you said something earlier that I thought was really interesting mm -hmm. and it's like this generational gap in marketing. I don't want to assume I'm younger than you, but I'm just going to go there for a second. When I was learning and I'm self-taught, we never, no one talked about campaigns. I mean, dead serious here. Nobody talked about themes. Nobody talked about campaigns. All these young bucks coming up, they're all analysis, attribution, optimization. And the irony is I feel like I'm the old marketer now. So in my own agency and in my own conversations, I'm talking about like, maybe a creative storytelling, like brand archetypes, all the like traditional marketing stuff, which existed for a reason, like storytelling, creating emotion. Like how do we make someone want our agency? How do we make someone want Parsley, not just increase the demo signups? Cause that's different. Like, right. Why is that? Like, why is that in your mind that like this young generation of marketers, just all we think about is channels and optimization and then the older group of marketers is thinking more about campaigns and themes and both have their value, but what's the gap? Like, how do we connect that? Because it's a huge problem in performance marketing is that there's no campaigns, no themes. Like people run Google ads yeah. with nothing other than optimization, no brand, zero brand resonance. Brand doesn't matter. It's just, you know, is my CPA lower? Yeah. How do we fix that? That's a, that's an interesting question. Cause I, I want to believe that's a simple answer <laughs> and, and I really do. Uh, and, and maybe I've just had the good, and I have had the good fortune. I'll just be blunt. Uh, yeah. probably the last I've had the same team for the last five, almost five years now. Wow. And it is a multi-generational marketing talented team. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, from, uh, you know, development reps that are straight out of school that are, are hip to the, the, the latest trends and things and lingo, you know, they teach me a thing or two on, you know, uh, 
on, I don't know, slang, <laughs> what to yeah. use and what not to yeah. use, um, all the way to myself, right? Uh, <laughs> we will get into age here. But um, so I've had, I've been fortunate to have that. But what we've been able to do is strike that balance, right? Is so when I do talk about themes, when I do think about those, uh, uh, you know, the, the structure of a campaign, and this doesn't happen overnight. I, I look at it as, I mean, I've been, building this over 20 years, right? Building up this yeah. document. So, um, you know, taking that data-driven approach, I, you know, it sounds cliche. I fancy myself being very data-driven, but, you know, I've been able to add that element of talent to my team over the, the last several years um, to the point where it's just, it's sort of just expected across the board. So we benefit from that. Now to your, your listeners that don't have that, uh, you know, my recommendation is is to look for it, right? Because there is talent in younger generations, young and up and coming marketers, because they're inundated with data. They're inundated with content. I look at my two teenage boys, you know, um, they're talking about, you know, they have a general grasp of analysis, the general grasp of statistics, just based off the, the content and tools and games and things thrown at them all the time. They know how to look, you know, on the back end. The ratio since they were 12 years old, that somehow made sense for their, yeah. like for oh. if they're playing Call of Duty. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, was, it, I was gonna say two years it, old, but you know, it's just like, because honestly that's when they started looking at, you know, my kids, they, I added my, the first iPhone and they're reaching up and they're, they wanted to grab it at 18 months. Cause they just sort of like, I want that. And they but how do you teach them the value of the campaign though, David? Because I agree. The marketers of today are exceptionally talented on a technical level. Like the today's marketer is very technical. I have like over 70 of them, yeah. by the way, that I work with full time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now if I were to look at all 70 of them. There's a small percent that are that I don't know if any of them ever ran a campaign before, if I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Like that's the but it's so important. Like it's so critical because I think it creates this relationship between your strategy and the customer. And it like honors the customer in a way that this like channel centric data first approach of optimization doesn't because there's no, the brand voice doesn't matter. The better headline is the one that got you more demos regardless of like, you know what I'm saying? And it doesn't usually go all the way to revenue. It's just like this initial thing. So like, you. Yeah. What you just said there, the headline that grabbed, you know, maybe let's just call it a pop in inbounds or leads, you know, within yeah. a campaign, right? What was that pop? What was that centered around, right? Too often folks will see that, like, let's just say it's a, it's a playbook of some kind organization just wrote. It's a, a how to do something, right? To your addressable audience. And you saw that surge. Cool. We drove a lot of inbounds. We, you know, a lot of people hit demo requests. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, yay. And then there's just sort of the now what? Well, did you take that piece of content? Did you did you look at the data? What drove them to the site? What channels did they use to get there? Are they coming through on LinkedIn? Are they coming through on Twitter, right? Is there a video out there? Did they come through on a paid campaign, right? Now we're getting into attribution, right? And you're looking at the attribution of what drove that for that piece of content. And man, this is something I tell my team. It's something I've ingrained in them. Is like until everyone in our addressable market has downloaded that piece of content or, uh, you know, embraced that theme, we have not done our job, right? And I say that sort of like from a macro view of this, okay, now let's take that playbook and let's do a webinar. Yeah. Let's get on a, let's get on a, you know, let's do a, a video and talk about it, right? 
or let's tap into one of our third party and association or something like that. And let's, let's maybe hit up their database. Let's do an event and get a speaker on there to talk about it. Right. So now we're diversifying that content to a point where you're stretching that out over time. I talked about being sort of time bound. Right. And that you take in, you do that intake, you grow the, the opportunities for attribution. And that is how you start to measure the value of the campaign. Right. It's tracking all of those components. And is that message resonating and is it worked? And you do that based off of, okay, we saw a little spike here on something. Well, let's double down and continue to do that. And if it doesn't kill it, move on to the next thing. I like that. Now, content marketing for SEO is a lot of why I think content's not working like it used to. In other words, like writing content for a search engine instead of your audience. How do we get away from that? Like, honestly, like it used to be, it was weird, right? So seven years ago, I started doing SEO for people and I yeah. couldn't make them think about SEO. All they cared about was their audience. They didn't care if it ranked. It was all about brand, voice, tone, audience. Seven, fast forward seven years. I can't get anyone to think about their brand. There's no new tools that come out. I can tell you all the content harmonies, the market muses, the parsleys, all these things. But what about tone, voice, brand, story? Is there a middle ground? Like how do we find this middle ground of SEO and audience and blend them together in your mind? And, you know, the way, I, the way I think about it is, you know, oftentimes I think, I think we still have a, a bit of a divided marketing. Marketing, let's just, let's go back. You know, I'm going to give you, yeah. I'm starting to date myself. We'll go back 20, a little over 20 years ago. I mean, it's marketing was a bit of a catch-all. It still is to this yeah. day. I think we've made strides, but it still is a bit of a catch-all. When I started out, when I came out, my title was uh, Marketing Communications Specialist. That was my title. Now, what does that say to you? I don't know. I did something in you press releases. Yeah, you do like press releases every once in a while. I did lead gen. I did lead gen. And I'm going to date myself now because my, yeah. the lead gen I did back then was putting ads in trade pubs, and you receive the punch cards from the magazines go walk to the sales floor and round robin them around the sales floor. Who wants to leave? Right. I'm dating <laughs> myself now. Yeah, you know, Technology has it. taken off since then. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but half marketer, half librarian. It's like, there you go. Yeah. It was. Yeah. We used to house a content library cause we would mail our content out to people. Right. Yes. Yes. We weren't downloading it back then. Um, anyhow, that's a lot's changed. Isn't it? So, you know, you know, back to some of the things I talked about, to, you know, rising above the noise, uh, you know, we're all writing content to, to be heard. We want our audience to, to, be, to be looking at our content. We want them to engage. Um, but the, uh, you know, brand and, and, and revenue marketing, I think, is, is that an interesting crossroads? Because I think organizations can swing that pendulum too far one way or the other. Yeah, I've seen 100%. it. Um, yeah. I've seen it. And I'm probably leaving a little bit of the enterprise space out of it because when you, you know, when you have the resources to hire both rock and roll, you can go yeah. do both, you know, but I can look no further than here at Parsley, right? We got to drive revenue. We've got to drive pipeline. Marketing has to be a revenue machine yep. in order for us to have a job. Yeah. To get budget, so, to keep budget. That's what we do. Yeah. I'm of the opinion, and this is my opinion, is I think if you're addressing those issues, if you're looking at the data, 
Um, if you're piping in the right uh, you know, keywords when you're thinking about SEO, if you're applying the right types of tags, again, through the data and you're doing these things and you're constantly evolving it and constantly watching it and so forth, I think the brand takes care of itself if you're doing that. If you are listening to that, to what the customer is saying, if you are following your data and applying that to your campaign so they get better over time, you'll have that reliance. And there's so many different ways to, to, to do that, right? And, and you do that through the, your tone and the way you talk. You can do that through, you know, some brands are a little more quirky over, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter or something. Some people have a shtick. Some people have a sour, you know, sour and sass yeah. show, right? But you kind of play into that and you kind of build up that brand along with the value. So long as you're providing value along the way, I, you know, that's what people ultimately want. If you're solving that pain point through it, that brand can take care of its can, can take care of itself, and it's possible to do both. So I think that's where your middle ground is. No, I love that. Now, as you said, it is a sour show. Are you ready? All right. Um, See, so yeah, I got some going? now and later's now. The the sour Ooh. shell shot. So, I got my warhead. Yeah. Are you ready? Oh yeah, let's go. Well, that one's the second one's always worth. I thought I had a cherry. This one's a sour watermelon. Oh, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to need a second on that one. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk. <laughs> you were listening for a little second here. Then. Um, oh, my God. I'm dying. Okay. So, oh, God. The, uh, yeah. oh, <laughs> that's so sour. <laughs> it ruins coffee the rest of the day. Just, in, just remember that. Now, I, uh, content, <laughs> I do see the way it works. Like, base camp, you know, like when I write something from the heart that's thought leadership, I feel like it works, you know? It works. Thought leadership, content, it works. And then I get busy. Then I go, cool, it worked. I proved it out. I'm going to scale this. Yeah. And then it doesn't work. So, how do we scale thought leadership? Because I'm of the belief that ranking is a very small part of the puzzle. In other words, it's very easy to rank. Mm -hmm. What's very hard to do is get someone to click on your post, read it, and be more likely to hire you afterwards than before. That's how I evaluate content. If someone reads mm -hmm. the content, are they more likely to hire us or the client than they were before? And the irony is I think a lot of times we write content that almost makes people less likely to hire us because – it's a freelance writer that we paid $300 for 750 words that our editor is completely swamped. He's wearing 3000 hats and we try to scale content. We end up doing, you know, 50 pieces a month and only two of them do anything. How do we so avoid that? Like how do we well, scale? Content? I'm using your numbers right back at throwing them right back at you, man. Yeah. Why not just focus in on those two the next month? I like that. Because <laughs> that's a, that's ultimately what we try to look at here. I'll tell you a, a, yeah. a, a little a little story, and this is some this was a bit of my aha moment with Parsley. Um, this is a nifty little tool, and I'm just drinking the Kool Aid. No 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 BS there. Um, gives you a lot of pretty cool insights. I actually have it up and running uh, all day on my uh, on my machine because I'm looking at what people are doing on our site. Um, I was starting out. I started in August. Uh, Greenfield marketing, build a marketing team, you know, starting from scratch. Um, and one of my, my first priorities, one of my first goals was just, I'm just going to bring in some inbounds. I'm going to toss them over to our new BDR team. Yep. 
let's figure this out. Let's just fly the plane and build it. No sense in spending six months trying to strategize and write all the perfect cadences and get the right text. Let's, let's use what we got. Let's just see what we can do. So I packaged up some, uh, I was packaging up some content, throwing it out there and we're kind of humming along, learning a few things. And then I wanted to get to what I just talked about before. I wanted to get a, uh, a webinar off the ground and let's have a conversation. Uh, we did one performed. Okay. I wanted to get better. Right. I wanted to get back to, you know, large registration numbers, um, really, you know, get our audience diversified a bit, really get some people in. And I, I just. I mean, high level was looking on Parsley.com and uh, there was a site that we had and this, this predated me content analytics made easy. And it was just a, in the top five of destination spots people came to on our site in the simplest way I can break it down. So guess what I did? I put a webinar on called Content Analytics Made Easy. And all I did was take the, you know, just kind of looked at the engagement on that site where people went. That That's how I chapterized the webinar. I put it on, boom, it was the biggest one we'd ever done. It just, it just yeah. you know? Yeah. So just use those data points to do that. And then that, that created a bit of a chain effect, right? Uh, in the content that we wrote based off of that, based off the data that we got from that. Um, and then um, ultimately uh, the, the boost in traffic, the boost in what people were looking for, that ultimately became our homepage. So now you go to partially.com. It's the content analytics made easy page that we had before. So I love it. it's, it's a real world example, it's man. Like, keep it simple, stupid, right? It's like, hey man, go look at your data. What's working? You're like, this is, you're like, cool. Then why do you want to do all those other 200 tactics you had? Yeah. Well, because more is more, man. It's like, wait a second. Like, more is yeah. not more. Like, let's look at our data. And I think the coolest part of what yeah. that story told is like, you acted. And yeah. I can't tell you how many people look at the data, draw opinions, and then go to something else. Instead of just being like, yeah, that's our best piece. Let's redistribute it. Let's yeah. repackage it. Oh, let's go from there. Yeah. Or just, you know, we can get in our own ways, right? Let's, let's, uh, Let's try to draw consensus across the board and please everyone. Sometimes you got to kind of go it alone, you know, and uh, that was one. I mean, I was a team of one at the time, uh, so I, I was able to really go it alone. But again, I just used a piece of data, went with it and, uh, and you know, we're continuing to see results from that decision, that data driven decision. So I love it. I love it. Well, that's a great example of the product. And thank you so much, David, for being on yeah. the show. It's been amazing. I had a ton yeah. of fun. Hopefully our audience got to learn something. I know I did. Good. And, uh, yeah, man. Thanks for being here. If anyone wants to follow along your journey, uh, how can they do so? Um, well, you, you, I think you team me up right there. You, <laughs> you hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, also at Twitter at, at dcardio22. Uh, stay pretty active on, on both those channels there. But yeah, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. And if anybody wants to learn more about Parsley, talk content, talk shop, I'm game. So I love it. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, that's our yeah. sass, everybody. Bye. See ya.